As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. And it's all that we know, it's the way you lie. give all that we got, Right, the third annual Mosier Great American $20,000 and SDPC Race Shop Dream Team Challenge is coming up quickly. It's a little over a month away. It's March 26th through the 29th. There are two spots available in Top Ball, eight spots remaining in Foot Break, and eight spots remaining in Junior Dragster category. Get with Britt, get with Galen to secure your spot for this year's unique Dream Team event. Coming to Texas Motorplex, March 11th through the 15th, CP Promotions brings the Pro One Texas Two-Step 50K, presented by J. Allen Sherman Racing Engines and RaceSponsorships.com. Tons of racing for both box and no-box racers for an incredible value. Stay tuned for more details about the Pro One Texas Two-Step 50K. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. It's time for The Big Interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. As part of our... Uh, 2019 champion interviews we are very pleased tonight to have the 2019 nhra super stock world champion on the phone vic penrod's with us tonight vic how are you doing good doing good just enjoying life well i'm sure you are uh, enjoying that championship but first and foremost yeah. congratulations <laughs> on that man that's a that's a heck of an accomplishment and i know you've been after it for quite some time Yes, sir. It's it's been a long time, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, great to see you get that done. I always like to start, Vic, by letting people know where we're talking to our our guests tonight. So, where are you talking to us from? I am in Walters, Oklahoma. 
Kind Walters, of the Oklahoma. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, you got a good thing. One of those, yeah, one of those things, one of those towns you just you never heard of before. <laughs> I've not heard of Walters. Where would it be? Uh, just south, north, southeast. Where you at in Oklahoma? Uh, it's kind of south central. Uh, we're we're about 120 miles southwest of Oklahoma City, which puts us down here just almost into Texas. We're only about 20 miles from from Red River. Yeah, okay. And, uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, is about 40 miles. You know, so we're just like I said, out kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, well, that's, that's really good. We like talking to good country folks. So there you uh, go. What, yeah. what do you do for a living, Vic? I, I run an engine shop or machine shop, as you might want to call it. Uh, just build a lot of engines and and uh, machine work and stuff for people. Cool. What do you call that? What's the name of your shop? Uh, it's Penrod Racing Services. Penrod Racing. So if you want to yep. get with champions, go to Penrod Racing Services, and you, you fix folks up. There you, you go. You do it all? You, you build them for the bracket cars, for the, the class racing? You little, do it all? Yeah, just a little bit of everything. Circle track, uh, drag race, a uh, lot of restoration, you know, your old Corvettes, Camaros, Chevelles, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and, and and a lot of even... Uh, a lot of Ford stuff, uh, Pontiac, Oldsmobile. I'm pretty much, I, I'm not picky. Whatever will, uh, you know, keep the lights turned on, I'll work on it. So. <laughs> Bring it to you and you'll fix it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Around. Vic, give our listeners a rundown of your racing history. Like, you know, who got you started, who influenced that start, when you started, where you started, that type of stuff. Okay. Uh, my dad pretty much got me started and. And he got a lot of other people started around here also, but uh, he he bought an old Camaro, '68 Camaro, uh, back when I was a little kid. I was I was three years old, and uh, you know it was a street car. But he started racing it, and you know it just kind of morphed into more. So, I mean, I, I've been around this stuff since basically since 1972. You know, so. There was no doubt when, you know, when I got old enough to get a driver's license, you know, what, what I wanted to do. And, Which uh, was what that year? Came about. That was in 1985. 85, okay. And, uh, yep, uh, went to the drag strip pretty much about two days after my birthday and, uh, you know, entered the street class and, and got runner-up and that day so wow that kind of was yeah i mean you talk about you know getting you hooked on something that you, <laughs> yeah. you've grown up as a kid watching your whole life and stuff and then the first race you go to you're in the final round what track you know, was that so that was at the old uh la dragway in uh in lawton uh, oklahoma which is about 20 miles from here okay and so we just go ahead I was just going to say, so Dad got you started, and you, you obviously got hooked on it at an early age. You had success at an early age, and that just uh, continued on through the years. And I guess you bracket raced for quite some time and then started doing some class stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, uh, bracket raced from, like I said, from day one uh, up until uh, 1998, and by then, I had the the current car that I have now, that 69 Camaro. I had had it for about five or six years. And the whole intention when I bought the car was to go super stock racing with it eventually. 
so yeah, I mean, I only made, I think, one or two division races that first year uh, in 1998, and then the next year we we you know just started going to more and more, and and pretty soon, uh, you know, you're you're making seven, eight, maybe ten races a year out of the deal, and and it just kind of you know grows from there. Yeah. So tell us about that super stock ride. Uh, obviously, we know it's '69 Camaro, but tell us a little bit about it and, and what class you run in, Vic. Well, uh, it's it's actually a true Z28. Uh, when I got the car in '93, uh, I started decoding the the VIN tag on it and, and getting it titled and everything like that. That's when I found out that it was actually a Z28 because. It had SS badges all over it. Well, this car has been a race car since 73, and it's been a super stock car its whole life. Back then, whatever badges you ran on the car was the motor combination and stuff that you had to run. And the guys, you know, they didn't want to do the 302 four-speed stuff, so they put SS badges on it and ran, always ran a big block in it. Uh, but basically, I, I bought it from a friend of mine here in town, and, uh, you know, it's it's only got 49,000 original miles on it. Wow. Uh, you know, just, I, I mean, it's it's like an old shoe. You know, it's comfortable, and, and I know, you know, uh, anytime it does something, you know, stupid or, you know, whatever, you know it. You know, I mean, uh, I've been <laughs> yeah. for, you know, going on 27 years, so. But, you know it uh, well. And, and, <laughs> yes, yes. And I currently run a big block in it. Uh, I had always ran small blocks in everything until about four or five years ago and, and just got the, you know, the notion that I wanted to go a little faster and started uh, gathering parts and, and built the 427 that's in it now. So, cool. Was it original orange? Or? Uh, it was originally a burgundy. Uh, burgundy with white stripes, and and I researched that some also because I'm I've always kind of been a Camaro nut. Uh, I mean I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five Camaros right now. So, but uh, anyhow, the the burgundy, the '69 Camaros, from what I can tell, there was only one percent of all '69 Camaros that were burgundy. You know, which paint wow. color really doesn't make one rare, but you know that's just something that you know you don't see that often yeah now i think of it you know i haven't seen many that often original form yeah. or, or not so that is a good point yeah exactly there's not uh there's not many that you even see nowadays because i mean quite honestly the the burgundy color was not a very good color you know i mean i i didn't you know even as much as a camaro guy as i am i really don't care for that burgundy color but you know when you when you find out that very few were painted that way it you know it kind of Makes it a little special, I guess. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, what class or, or classes do you fit in with your combination, Vic? Uh, this car, I, I run it in super stock C automatic most of the time. Uh, on occasion, I will uh, I'll jump over into GT uh, C automatic, but the big blocks have so much horsepower rating on them that to change classes you've got to you know usually either add or subtract you know 230 240 pounds to do that so and that's that's a big chore that's a lot of weight so yeah, i'm most generally just leave it in c and you know just take my chances on the ladder and and you know most generally there's not any other c cars around here 
you know, so I don't usually have to worry about a heads up race. But uh, yeah, well, that was a, I guess a pretty a pretty stout combination in its prime, but uh, and no offense at all, but by today's standards, that's a, a bit of an old school approach. I mean, you're oh, it is. You're it racing is. these There's, late model uh, cars, yeah. so yeah. Uh, I mean, I've I've got. I've got a customer that's got a late model. Well, and I call it a late model. It's late 80s, you know, but it's it's a fuel-injected engine that, you know, that thing will run, you know, well over a second under the index, you know, versus something like mine that's 50-year-old combination that, that's been beat on for 50 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to make those older cars go fast, you know. It takes a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort, and, you know, yeah. that's... Uh, that's, yeah, that's, and if you're not, that's not me. So <laughs> if you're not, if you're not seeing a lot of them in your class, no point in in, in killing yourself or your checkbook. Uh, exactly. To, to, to try to make it go crazy fast, you just get in where you fit in and, and bracket race them. So exactly. Obviously, that, obviously you, know, you do that very well. Yeah, that was that was my theory from the get go. Was you know I was at a point where I mean I was getting chased all the time anyway, uh, but I thought you know if I could just pick up you know three or four tenths and, and maybe five or six miles an hour doing it, no matter how far under the index, I knew it wouldn't be far, but it would sure help judge those faster cars, you know, and then maybe even on the other side of it is, is be just fast enough that you, you run some guys that they're going to leave first instead of you leaving first all the time. Yeah, so sure. that, that has helped a bunch. I mean, yeah, my car is, you know, is, is slow as far as under the index, but, ET wise, it's kind of right where I wanted to be. You know, makes you know more comfortable that way. Yep, obviously it it, it worked very well for you. So, Vic, at what point during what really is a grueling NHRA season when when you compete at the level you're competing at? What point in the season did you realize you know, hey, I, I might have a shot at this? <laughs> well, oddly enough, you know, we we didn't set out. Uh, to, to even chase points, uh, other than the All Stars points, uh, I was actually leading the All Stars points at the first of the year, and 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 we went to you know the two or three or four division races at the first of the year to kind of keep the All Stars points up. And and quite truthfully, I didn't do any good. I didn't make it past third round at any race. So you know our our main deal, me and my son, we were just you know we wanted to go to the All Stars race. And, of course, the All-Stars race didn't turn out very well for me, but that race in general did. But at that point, we were just, you know, we were just having fun. We had a good time. We won a race. You know, let's let's go to another one and see if we can do any good. And, you know, sure enough, the next weekend, we're in another final round. But even at that, that was nothing, nothing really started to even enter my mind until I won the points race at Topeka in late July. And there was still a lot of racing left. The, the only thing that I was considering at that point was, you know, man, if I can if I can just go some rounds with these other races, I can probably finish in the top ten. You know, so it, it it really didn't until we got to Dallas in October. That's you know that's when I kind of figured out, hey, you know, this this can happen. You know, but, cool. I mean, hey, you know, everybody knows that. So, you know, anytime you try harder, you're going to start screwing stuff up. 
<laughs> you know, and so <laughs> I just tried to just go about my normal business, you know, and just treat it like any other race and, you know, what happens, happens. Yeah, and obviously what happened was uh, the ultimate goal, but yeah, I'm sure there's challenges along the way, Vic. What do you think your biggest challenge was to, to chasing down that championship? Well, like I was saying, when you when you uh, when you start trying to do better, you you're trying too hard, and you start screwing things up. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, case in point is, you know, we we went to the uh, to the race in St. Louis, and and at that point, I knew what you know I had a chance at at winning this deal if if things went right. And, uh, you know, just trying really hard, and I red-lighted first round, uh, you know, and I don't red-light much. I mean, it just, if, if anything about me, I'll end up being 60 or 70 or 80 late, then I will be 10 or 15 red, uh, you know, and that was a, that was a real downer. That was, that was kind of hard to overcome and, and get back in your mind to quit trying so hard even though you know you have to and just get back to the basics and and go to the racetrack and treat it like any other race uh you know other than that it's just all the driving man we put a we put a lot of miles on the truck this year yeah yeah sure it creates extra time away from the shop and yeah that's uh, uh you know and and that was another thing that helped was, you know, being in business for yourself. Obviously, you can pay off anytime you want to, but you're not getting paid when you do that, you know. <laughs> and yeah. not only are you not bringing money in, you're out there spending money. Uh, yeah. The thing that really helped us a lot was winning that Chicago race and runner-up at Topeka. That gave us, you know, some some money to kind of do things on, you know, and not be so worried about, you know, being out of the shop and not, not being able to make money, you had some money, you know, with contingencies and stuff still coming in that, you know, you didn't have to worry too much about the money. Uh, you know, you, yeah. it just it made things easier. It made things a lot easier. But we know how this deal works, and we know that when you know you're fixing to make an extra race or two and drive all those miles, you you burn the midnight oil in the shop trying to get your customers oh, and yeah. stuff. So so you're working yeah. you're working harder, really. <laughs> I mean, you, you really are. You really are. I mean, I stayed late several times. You know, uh, nine or ten o'clock at night, and you know, and and on the weekends. You know, I, I just like right now. Uh, racing really hasn't started good yet. I'm I'm down here seven days a week, you know, yeah. trying to plan ahead for those you know those weekends that you know we're going to be gone. But you know, even at that, you can't you can't work enough hours to make up for it. I I had a couple of customers that you know I kept putting off and putting off and you know tell them I'd get it done and and uh, you know they were patient, they were understanding. Uh, one guy, even when he showed up to, to pick his engine up, he still owed me uh, $1,800 in labor on the engine, and, and I told him, no, don't pay it. This is for, you know, letting me go do what I'm, I've been doing, and, you know, just he owed me nothing. You know, but that's, wow. uh, that's, uh, that's a hard one to kind of swallow, but 
I mean, I like to treat my customers, you know, with, with respect and, you know, they were respectful enough to, to let me chase this and do what I needed to do. So, you know, I try to give back at the same time. Yeah. It, for people that, that don't chase points and do those types of things, it's hard for them to understand what you it were trying really to is. accomplish. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even really understand it. You know, I mean, that's the first time I had ever been in a position like that before, you know, yeah. and just, I mean, I'm 50 years old. I'm not getting any younger and not exactly a, a spring chicken on top of that. And, <laughs> and just thought to myself, you know, when would I ever, or will I ever get another chance like this? So, yep. you know, I, I took advantage of it and, you know, the wife was understanding enough, and and customers were too, and you know we made it happen. Very common story within HRA champions. That's again, that's a that's a grind for sure. When you mm-hmm. finally decide that it's time to chase it, so you, you've gone through all this grind, Vic. You you put in those extra hours at the shop. You've driven those hundreds and and thousands of miles, if you will, and spent all that money, and now it's to the point where you can finally seal the deal. Now, sometimes you seal it yourself, and sometimes others' actions seal it for you. Tell us about what finally sealed mm-hmm. the deal for you to win the title. Well, uh, you know, it, it seems like, uh, you know, when somebody wins a lot of races, uh, a lot of people have a tendency not to like those, you know, that person. Or, you know, <laughs> man, he wins all the time. I wish somebody else would You know, and... Uh, Dan Fletcher, bless his heart, you know, done me a huge, huge favor. <laughs> you know, it was it was getting to the point where, you know, Rizzoli had to win the race in order to pass me, and here he is in the semifinals on Sunday, you know, and he's mm. just way too close for comfort. You know, of course, he, you know, he run into the baddest man on the planet as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was, Oh, nerve-wracking, to say the least. And if I remember that, that was a heck of a run between those two. It was. It was. I mean, it was was literally, you know, anybody's race. Yeah. Uh, You know, they're they're both on the brakes. They're, you know, trying to decide who wants it worse. And, and, you know, yeah, I mean, it was, if I remember right, it was only five or six thousandths difference, something like that. But they were both, you know, over the dial. And uh, and on the break, so I know you know he, he could have went the other way just as easy, and of course yeah. that would have been another hour, hour and a half. Late. <laughs> you know, we we were sitting across the street in the parking lot from the track. You know, we oh wow, you know, just waiting to see what was going to happen. Wow, very and, cool uh, story. Uh, and I yeah, I think Rizzoli made a championship worthy run, but uh, he oh he, he did facing a tough customer in Fletcher, so. You got it. Thank Dan for helping you get it done. And oh yes, sir. Oh, I did. Uh, we we went in the track and I found him and he stuck his hand out and I told him that wasn't good enough. I I gave him a big old hug, you know. So, <laughs> so you know, I did we, ask him if he was going to punch me first, but if I hugged him, he said no. So we were good. <laughs> so you clinched it right there. That that drama field run. What was that feeling like, Vic? I mean, you you basically been doing this for twenty plus years on that part of the racing side on the nhra side what was the feeling can you even describe it uh, not really i mean it's just it's beyond words and i'm not a you know I, i'm i don't i wouldn't have the words for it i put it that way 
Uh, <laughs> just, you know, just some old redneck boy that, you know, most people's never even heard of, don't know where you're from or, you know, other than the, the, the people you race with all the time around here local, you know, uh, come out of nowhere. And, you know, I'm sure all those other guys is thinking, you know, who the heck is this guy? Where'd he come from? You know, but well, yeah. They know you now, brother. Yeah, yeah, there's no hiding now. That's uh, yeah. That might be a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know yet. You're a world champion, and you got to go out and defend that title. And uh, what is, does 2020 look much like the same for you? I mean, you, you yeah, see where the we're, we're, case? Exactly, exactly. I mean, we're going to make the basically the same races that, that we've always made, uh, you know, and just see where things go. Uh, I, I mean, I, a lot of people – you know, especially with stock and super stock and, and super gas and all of them where the quotas, you know, keep getting lowered and it takes more grade points and stuff to get in, you know, a lot of people are making, you know, six to eight division races, nine division races every year to, to keep that up for the quotas. But, you know, we do it just because we like to go racing. Yeah. You know, it's uh, if they had 15 races around here, you know, uh, that was close enough. We'd we'd do all fifteen. So, yeah, yeah we're just we're just going to start the year out and you know try to make some rounds and and uh, see where it leads us. Well, hopefully it leads you down a championship path again. But certainly it's going to be fun to watch it play out for you, Vic, and and see how your season goes coming off of that championship. But anytime you compete at the level that that you compete at, there's there's people on your side and in your corner that help you get to and down the racetrack. Uh, who's on your thank you list tonight? Well, but my my wife and my son especially, because uh, he's he's my racing partner, and uh, uh, he's uh, he's still in school. He, well, he graduated high school. He's taking an extra year of Votex, so you know we'll we'll get to race together for a few more months, and then you know he's going to probably end up out in the world with a job and, and that's going to cut the racing back, you know? So I, you know, I appreciate the time that he's been able to go with me and of course wife being, you know, understanding of, of what we're trying to do. A uh, friend of mine around here, uh, Sammy Mathis, he's a, he's a big supporter. He was, he was calling me champ long before it happened, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, how he's a, <laughs> everybody's got that buddy that's the, you know, the best cheerleader in the world. That's right. And uh, he's, that's him. But, uh, you know, and just a lot of friends at the racetrack. And, and, you know, I've got a friend and customer, uh, Lindell Stahl, him and his son race. They're been, we've been friends for years and years. And, and usually we pretty much go to the races together to all the, all the you know, the division races and national events. You know, so they're just, there's a lot of people that, you know, behind the, behind the scenes, so to speak, that help you out that, you know, just some little something. Sure. But, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of help these days, and obviously you got it good does. folks in your corner. I know they're super proud of you, Vic, and we are too here at the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Really enjoyed going down your championship season with you and hearing a little bit about your racing story. Uh, congratulations again on on a, that's truly a major accomplishment. People chase that all their life and and are not fortunate to get in position to win it. Uh, you got it done 20-plus years into your chase, and I know that's a, 
really a, a monkey off your back and a bucket list thing. So enjoy yep. that championship, my friend. I know you will. Oh, I will. I will. Thank you very much. Well, we've enjoyed hearing that story, Vic, but here on the Sports and Drag Racing Podcast, we, we like to wrap it up in style. So we've got a little something we call rapid fire, which yeah. just five little questions, kind of a get to know you a little bit better. We got to know you about your race inside. Now I want to know a little more stuff about you if you're up for it. Sure. So a guy that wins like you have won and has raced like you have raced, you got to have a favorite celebratory meal. Uh, just that that one go to meal that you got to have to to cap off a great race. What is it? Well, if we can find them and we we try to do it with the routes we take, is the uh, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Oh, cool! <laughs> Very cool. That's got an Alabama tie to it, so that's, that's yep, cool. Alabama. There's one in Houston, Daytona Beach. We've been to several. <laughs> Very cool. Um. Obviously, racing is very important to you, but I'm sure you enjoy something outside of that. What's your favorite hobby outside of going to the racetrack? Uh, going to the lake, going fishing. Going a little fishing, okay. Would expect yep. that from a good country Oklahoma boy. By the way, this yep. is not this is not part of the question, but are you a uh, you a uh, boomer sooner or are you a uh, poke or what? Which one? Or do you even care? Uh, if I had to, it would be an OU fan. Uh, <laughs> Used to watch the football back in the day, but I, I've got to where I don't pretty much watch any of the ball games anymore. Yeah. So inside the race car, we all have this little routine or whatever. What, what do you think your weirdest quirk is inside the race car? Uh, constantly checking my glasses. Make sure they're <laughs> not falling down my nose. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. You're answering them very well. Uh, what would be your favorite movie, Vic? Uh, gosh, I, I am a big movie buff. Uh, there's, there's many, but, uh, probably Smokey and the Bandit because there are so many great lines in that movie. <laughs> there really are that, that just continue <laughs> yeah. to transcend decades after the movie. That's a very good Exactly. It's a great one. I'm a Shawshank Redemption guy. But, uh, yep, like that one too. Yeah, those are great. Last but not least, Vic, when you get the, the rare opportunity to take a vacation, if you even know what that is, as busy as you are, yeah. what, what's your favorite vacation spot? Well, we actually take one every year going somewhere, and it's going to involve staying in a, in a log cabin in the mountains somewhere. Oh, good for you, uh, man, after my own heart. Yeah, right? yeah. Colorado, Tennessee, even eastern Oklahoma, There's uh, that's that's our vacations, is going to a cabin, spend three or four days. Yep. Well, people that don't know their geography very well might not know, but from where you are in Oklahoma, you have a tremendous reach to, to pretty much go do any kind of vacationing. Um, exactly. You guys exactly. about six, eight hours from a lot of different types of uh, terrain and atmosphere. Yep. The the favorite spot really is Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and I can tell you it's a smooth thousand miles. <laughs> yeah, well, that ain't six or eight hours. <laughs> yeah, we just went this summer and took the grandson to Dollywood. So Awesome. Yeah, Gatlinburg, my favorite place idea. as well. Yep. Well, Vic, man, great, uh, great job again in 2019. Congratulations on a huge accomplishment. 
We appreciate you coming on here tonight and giving us some of your time and taking us down that trip with you. Really enjoyed hearing about it and getting to know you a little bit better. And uh, we're, we're rooting for you in 2020, man, hoping you get uh, the same kind of results you got in 19. You bet. Thank you. I, I do appreciate it very much. Yes, sir. We appreciate your time. Good luck in 2020, Vic, and have a great night. You bet. Thank you. As we get closer to racing season, you'll need to start thinking about which of your parts could use a tune-up or replacement. Keep BTE in mind. For all of your high-performance transmission needs, torque converters, parts, complete transmissions, whatever you need, BTE does it all. Check them out at bteracing.com or find them on Facebook. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. The Texas Motorplex will be the place to be. From March 11th through the 15th, Cody Pollage and CP Promotions will bring the Pro One Texas Two-Step 50K presented by J. Allen Sherman Racing Engines and RaceSponsorships.com to Ennis, Texas. Box racers will run for $50,000 on Saturday, surrounded by $10,000 to win races on Thursday. Friday and Sunday. No box racers will run for $7,500 to win Saturday, surrounded by five granders. Complete weekend entries provide the best bargain at $650 for box, $400 for no box, respectively. There will be racer appreciation dinners. There will be a cool last chance lotto. First and second round losers can purchase a chance for $10 to be drawn and put back into round three each day. Check it out on the CP Promotions Facebook page or in one of our posts on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. All right, quick update on arguably the biggest event on the calendar in 2020. That is the Great American Guaranteed Million. The guys at the Great American Guaranteed Million have some updates, have some announcements. They are down to 67 entries remaining in the Guaranteed Million, and those spots continue to sell daily. There are seven, yes, seven gamblers races scheduled all across the country. So keep a close look out for those on the Great American Facebook page. It could be a chance to win an entry into the big event for a very small investment. Mickey Thompson Tires is on board as the title sponsor of the Great 48 bottom ball portion of the event. This landmark event will feature the Scoggin Dickey Performance Center factory stock shootout presented by SamTac. This will be a much watch, must watch portion of the Great American Guaranteed Million. Coming to Memphis Memorial Day weekend. It's time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, as we continue with our 2019 champion interviews. Uh, we're excited tonight to have the 2019 IHRA top category world champion. Keith Cleveland is joining us on the phone. Keith, thank you for joining us tonight, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Dad. This is great. Uh, yeah, man. 
we're excited to have you and, and talk about your championship season. But what I always like to start out with, Keith, is to let people know where we're talking to you from. Because, you know, we, we want people to know what part of the country you're in. Where are you at tonight? I am in a cold Buffalo, New York. Buffalo. Wow. That's, that's yep. way up there. How cold is it in Buffalo tonight? Uh, tonight, it's not bad. Tonight, it's like 35 out, but last week was brutal. Yeah. In the single digits. Probably some more cold coming towards the end of the weekend because I think it's going to be in the 40s here. So I imagine that gets pretty cool in Buffalo. I'm a long way yeah. from that. And we're talking to you tonight, and I know that you're uh, going to work after this. You work night shift on your job. What do you do for a living, Keith? I uh, I work in a manufacturing plant, and we uh, manufacture um, oil and mining equipment for offshore rigs and gold mines and everything all over the world. Oh, I'm wow. a painter. Wow, what brand yeah. is that? Uh, Derek Corporation. Oh yeah, okay, very very good brand. Slightly familiar with that, so pretty cool. So you got a long night of work ahead of you. We appreciate you working us in your schedule, Keith, and giving us some time to talk about your awesome championship season. But anytime to help us get to know a little bit more about you and how you got started in racing, give our listeners a brief rundown of of how you got started, like who started you, when did you start, where did you start, that type stuff. Well, I don't have a typical um, junior dragster start. I uh, My dad's been racing since I was born. He started the year I was born at uh, at Lancaster Dragway, where we still race today. And, Which, um, what year? 1981. He started okay. racing in 1981. And uh, so... I, uh, when I was able to start working, I got a job out at the track and I was working. And then in 99, he won, the um, the race of champions out there. And, uh, I was out there, I was cooking. I worked, uh, the burnout box. I was ET shack. I worked concessions. I did all that. And I'm like, I was starting to go to, um, our BOCI class here, which is like, uh, automotive, like a uh, tech school when you're in high school. And I was, um, starting to do that and starting to get into cars and all that fun stuff. So I'm like, I want to do this. So I bought a Mustang and started racing street for a few years with him. Obviously we'd go and do our thing, you know, and, uh, you know, labor day races and all that fun stuff out at empire dragway. Cause we race out there as well. And, uh, then I think it was 2000, three or four or something like that. He, uh, he had the opportunity to drive another car for one of our buddies out at the track. And, uh, that means his car was going to sit and, uh, it did for about a year. And then I talked him into letting me drive it. And we, we kept on, we did that for a while. We, we were both running two cars. We, we were each running a car and, uh, then, uh, you know, life, life happened. I had a kid and I bought a house and took a couple of years off. Still was out there every week, but I wasn't racing. And then, uh, you know, that was all no box racing. That was all no box. And sure. for me anyways, but for him, when he started driving, it was, uh, he started driving in top, you know? And then when I got back into it and I started, I was able to drive again. I, uh, but you know what? This foot brake stuff ain't for me anymore. I was out of it too long. These guys are killer. I'm, I can't, I can't hang with them. So I put a box in the car 
And uh, that was probably about, I think that was 2015, 16 maybe. Yeah. And then we've been doing that ever since. Same same thing. Very cool. Racing with your dad the whole time. Uh, as, as I've researched you a little bit, I, I see that that's a, a very tight bond and uh, a guy that, that you like to go racing with. And we'll talk more about that here in just a little bit. But um, tell us a little bit about the hot rod that, that you won the championship with, Keith. Um, what's that weapon of choice? That was, it's a, it's a 1923 Ford T. Uh, just got a little 383 on gas. It's a very simple, simple, low budget car but it works it does it does what it's supposed to do almost every time and uh that's the car i love i'm in love with that car that's the car that he actually drives on a weekly basis but i uh i love that car (laughs) i've been trying to get him to give to let me get in that ride (laughs) permanently for a while but you're proving your worth in there for sure right uh right what what kind of et's you you putting up that that goes like five sixties with me in it. It goes about you know high five sixties, five seventies on a on a on a consistent basis. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, as a guy from from Birmingham, Alabama, not really familiar. I guess you're upstate New York, or Buffalo's on up there a little ways, isn't it? Yeah, right, right by Lake Erie, and right by uh, like right by the Peace Ridge, going up to Canada. We're right so there. I got like right by Niagara like, Falls. Yeah, I got six or seven tracks within uh, an hour, hour and ten minutes of me. What What is the racing landscape like for a guy in your area? You talked about Lancaster. You talked about uh, Empire. How long does it take you to get to the racetrack? Uh, Lancaster, I'm about five miles from, and oh, nice. uh, so that's ri- that's right around the corner. I mean that that that's great. That's part of the reason we're still doing this, you know. But Empire's a little bit long. Empire's a little bit farther. That's about a little under an hour drive and then we got uh we got what was it um you know norwalk but that's like four hours uh we go to pittsburgh that's like four hours um or keystone raceway that's like you know but yeah we got producer pretty much on, it. on here with us that's his home track so let's let's make sure yeah we get that, oh yeah get i'm familiar training. with him <laughs> I'm familiar well, with him. You've got racing within within reason of you. Obviously, some very close, and, and you can get to some quality facilities and some good racing, and and not too long of a drive. So that's cool. Right. So, what track did you qualify with, Keith? I qualified with Lancaster. Okay, that makes sense since it's so close. And uh, how'd the point season go there? I ended up in third. Um, I, I I had a pretty good year. I I uh we don't do um it's not like uh you know if you won the championship you go to that. We do it the old school way. We do the best of 30 rounds and um and I I got that. And I mean we were we were there was a bunch of us fighting for the top spot all year long in the points championships, but uh I held on to the Summit Super Series for for most of it, which was uh which was a pretty cool experience. I've, I, I've always said I just wanted a chance to go to that race because, uh, you know, my dad qualified to go do that a few times in the past when they did it the old way where we race off at the bracket finals and then they'd send the winner or the winner and the runner up to Memphis and race there. But it was all, it was, uh, 
it was a good year. We had we had a really good year this year. Yeah, I'd say that's a, somewhat of an understatement. Uh, so you you obviously you qualify for Memphis. You're the Summit Super Series winner for your track, and you qualify to go to Memphis. Now, immediately, you say you you know your dad's qualified for that before, but immediately you got to be thinking that's a pretty serious trip. Uh, that oh yeah no. It's no skip from uh, Buffalo to Memphis. What what kind of mileage was that? It was about it was just under a thousand miles. The first day um, when we when we went down there, we we broke it up into two days, and we were both driving. It took about I don't know total total trip was about I don't know right around twenty hours, maybe not maybe a little bit more than that. I don't exactly remember, but. Uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's fun. I enjoy towing. I enjoy the travel, especially the travel time. You know, normally when we race, it's always, we, you know, there's now that I'm engaged and, you know, we have kids, it's, you know, everybody's all out there. But when we started out, it was just me and him. And don't get me wrong. I love when everybody's out there, but it's also nice to get that, you know, me and him time too, with just like back when we started and, uh, yeah. It was a good trip. It, it was, it was, it was fun. How was the trip? Was it uneventful? No blowouts or issues with the tow vehicle? It was pretty smooth. Yeah, it was, we got, we got, uh, we got pretty lucky on the way there and the way back. We didn't have any issues with anything, which was, uh, you know, a safe trip is a good trip. Yeah. Sound like really fortunate to, to get through that. You know, there's lots of terrains. I guess you guys probably hit a mountain or two coming uh, them, yeah. coming across the Mason-Dixon area. Yeah. So you get to Memphis, and, you know, now you talked about it a little bit earlier about the, the how you qualify for that. Now, you, you basically, you got to win your Summit Super Series at your track. It's not a... It's not a one-hit wonder thing like having a good day at the bracket finals. So you know you're racing basically the people that performed at a high level all year long and, and the best of the best, if you will. So you arrive at Memphis. What was that atmosphere like, Keith? It was it was one of it, – it, it took my breath away, like just the way that – the way that they treated you. I mean, we got there early. We got there on Wednesday and we got there early Wednesday. I think we got there around two o'clock on Wednesday and they said they weren't allowing anybody in until whatever time. I forgot what time they started parking. I think it was, you know, five to nine or something. I don't remember exactly the time, but, uh, we got there and somebody rolled up on a scooter and let us in and said, you know, park wherever you want. And it was the, the people there were, unbelievable they were they were there for for us it was it was uh it was it was unbelievable yeah kudos to ihra we hear that from all the champions it's it's really cool to hear how well those summit super series racers get treated when they get there and they they really roll out the red carpet for you as they should because you you've committed to to their series and their points chase all year long at a very high level. So sound like they're treating you the way they should, but definitely shout out to them for for how they treat you guys. So you get there and you know obviously there's a, what a couple of days of time trials. Yeah, we had uh we had uh Thursday. It was just a time trial day it was Thursday. And uh so we did 
four of them just to get just to get used to the tree and uh then friday was uh they gave us a couple licks at the tree and then uh they had a gambler's race which was friday which i lost in the second round to the guy i beat in the finals well i lost to paul in the um in the second round of that race and then i took i got him in the finals of the the next one but it was uh it was fun. Yeah, Memphis was, is a great facility. Have you ever raced anywhere before where you you click it off past the finish line and you get to do a little road course racing as you exit the race course, uh, the drag strip? No, actually, no. The first time I, the first pass I made, I went all the way down to the end of the track, and I, I'm I'm looking. I'm like, I thought there was a turn off there, but I wasn't too sure, and I didn't want to slow anything down behind me, so I just said, you know what, I'll drive, and then I saw. You know, then as I'm coming along this big hill, which, you know, you're driving all the way around there and you're coming back, I'm like, oh, that is a, that is a turnoff. <laughs> and, uh, it took me about, it seemed like five minutes to get to the ET shack back from there, but it was a pretty cool ride. It was neat. Yeah, I didn't that take road, that ride ever after that. <laughs> that road course down at the end is pretty neat. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. You, you can, uh, get a little bit of a different feel coming off the drag strip there than you can anywhere else. So, You've done your time trial and you've got the gamblers race behind you. Now it's the main event. Take us through that day, Keith. Um, you know, maybe it was round one, maybe it was round five. At what point did you feel like, you know, I, I'm on, things are going well. This this could be my day. I think when we were down to, I think like eight cars. I think I said, you know, I I I I don't like to. I only like to take it one round at a time because when I start thinking ahead of time, I start making mistakes. And then when I make mistakes, then, you know, I just get mad at myself because I knew I could do better, but we were at eight cars and, you know, we were, me and my, me and my dad were talking and we, you know, we got a shot at this. We can do this. Just, you know, just do our thing. And, you know, whoever makes the the least amount of mistakes is going to win the day. And, uh, it was, uh, it was, we didn't really make any mistakes. And, you know, every dog has his day and when it's your time, it's your time. And it was my time and it was a good time. <laughs> it was a good time to have it be your day. Yeah, a really good time. So other than the final round, which we'll talk about in a little bit, was there a, a crucial round in your championship day that maybe you got away with something that, you know, you got a big break and it, it moved you forward or did you just drive well the whole time? I, uh, I, I had, uh, I drove pretty well the whole time. I think I, uh, no, I, I treat everybody I ran and the final round was, was my lucky round. And that was, that was it because, uh, well, other than that, that, I mean, so, you know, we did, it was against Paul Peterson, the guy who won our division three bracket finals, who I, who beat me the day before oh, wow. and every we're going down and, I'm I'm telling myself just stay away from him until the finals because I know he's a good racer and I I just wanted to stay away and it worked and uh actually I saw him run the semis before me so I knew if I got by that that's who I was going to be racing and uh we got by the semis and then the finals come and uh I let go it felt pretty good and I I the car the car started chattering and I said to myself, well, it was a fun ride. 
we did the best we could do. You can't do anything when, when, you know, when you spin. And I mean, I think I lost three or four in the 60 foot and that was it. That was it for me. And then like halfway down the track, I saw my light come on and, uh, it was, I I still don't have words for it. It was just unbelievable. It was, it was, I, I got emotional, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a good time. It was so much going through your head. Your opponent turned it red, obviously, and and you realized you had just collected the 2019 top IHRA World Championship, and you said you you know you can't even describe it, but obviously the the biggest, most important win in in your young career, I guess. Yeah, it was it, it was it it was a dream come true. I mean, like ever since they did that, and when IHRA was giving away the dragsters, and when all that stuff was going on. I'm like, man, I just want to be good enough to, to make it to that. And it never panned out. And, uh, then, you know, I qualified in my car, which is a 1970 old, which goes about seven O's. But then when we were talking about, everybody's telling me, you know, you got to take what, what got you there. You got to take what got you there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're blessed to have the opportunity to pick what cars we want to take where, but, it wasn't a doubt in my mind that I was taking that car because I'm comfortable. I'm home in that car. And when it happened, it was, it was just, it was a, I don't need, I can't, I still can't even put it into words. You know, they said I was going to be doing an interview, you know, after the finals. And they said, I can't do this. I don't know what to say. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's still, it, it, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. It was, it was a dream to be able to do that. I wish everybody could have been down there you know, everybody who's there supporting me every week, I wish they could have been down there with me through that experience. And, yeah. uh, it was, that's the other thing is the, the, the social media effect, you know, what, as you were getting close, did you even let yourself go to your Facebook page or anything like that? Or did you try to stay away from it? No, I didn't. I stayed off my phone. The only person that got anything from me that day was my fiance. And I said, you know what, I'm going down. You know, because she was watching on Motor Mania on TV at home. And uh, I said, I'm going down. I love you. I'll uh, talk to you after this, you know. And then it was, that. that's all. That That's it. And I asked my yeah. dad, we're pretty We're pretty creatures of habit, you know. And I, I didn't bring my phone down. I don't bring my phone when I drive. It stays in the trailer. And I asked my dad, I said, after this race, no matter what happens, I said, can you go get my phone? Because I don't want you to bring it down because then you don't want to change anything. And if you change something, you know, like that superstition. So just go back to the trailer after the race and get it. And we'll, we'll handle it that way. And, uh, so yeah, after the race, I called her and it was awesome. Great plan. And it sounded like it worked to perfection. You know, I try to reach out when I'm interviewing someone that I don't know. and, And you and I have never had the opportunity to meet one another, but, um, I try to find out basically where you are in the country and figure out what kind of who I might have as a contact that would know you. So I reached out to uh, my good friend, John Sierra Jr. And oh, yeah. I said, do you get to race with Keith Cleveland very much? Oh, yeah, quite often, he said. So yeah, so I, I got to asking him a little bit about you, you know, to, to try to spice up the interview. And he said, really, he and his dad are, are kind of quiet and reserved and you know, they just, they kind of just do their thing. They're, they're a team and they go race together and, and just kind of do it their way. And, um, 
so I, I look back through your face. By the way, you told me your dad is is probably one of, if not the best top bulb racer in the area. So kudos <laughs> to, to the old man for, for being an accomplished racer as well. But um, So I did my research, and I, I, I look back during your championship day, and, and hearing John say about you guys being kind of quiet and reserved and just keep to yourself, do your thing. And I saw the picture and your post about your dad, his reaction mm-hmm. when your opponent's red light come on. Uh, uh, yeah. So for, for a guy that kind of keeps to himself, he obviously had a lot built up inside of him at that moment because he, he just jumped straight up, hands in the air. Oh yeah, that was uh, actually. There's a little bit more to that too that I really couldn't put on because it was a. So the people we were pitted next to, um, through there, it was a mod guy, and uh, we he was from Mid Michigan. We became good good friends throughout the weekend, and it was uh, him, his wife, and then like another couple that towed down their car and everything. Good friends, whatnot, and uh, so we were going rounds and going rounds and. And he ended up actually going to the finals as well. So he lost in the, um, he lost in the finals and, uh, but his wife was like, would take pictures throughout the, um, throughout the day of, you know, just the car or my dad or whatever. And then she videoed, uh, she videoed after that moment and it was too grainy to put on Facebook, but it was, it was, uh, <clears throat> it was a proud moment like to see, that because you know i don't get to see that emotion very much you know especially being in a car and you know with with him it's always like just do your thing you know you're doing good whatever but not too much other than that you know and uh because that's just how he is he's just reserved quiet and whatnot but uh it was really it was really cool getting to see what happened what what happened after that it was it was neat yeah, I imagine it was pretty special. And as I looked through the comments, I, I saw that it was uh, that that he made mention of it himself and and how proud he was of you and and what you accomplished. So, very awesome uh, moment, especially for guys that that race hard together like you you two do and father son team. It's it's really kind of the the American dream how it plays out for a, a father and son racing together. So. That was really cool for me to research and, and look back over, not having any knowledge of it prior. It was it was fun to look at. Yeah. So you you've got this championship season behind you. What could be a once in a lifetime thing? Who knows? You know, you never really know if you ever get back there and do it again. But are your twenty twenty plans pretty much to to go attempt that again, Keith? That's that's the plan. You know, I mean everybody wants to repeat. I know there hasn't been one yet and I'd like to do that, but you know, we're going to travel a little bit. So we're going to do a little bit more, hopefully get out to the big money scene. I've always wanted to do that as well, but, uh, you know, that that's the plan. It's always a plan, but. Yep. Well, obviously, um, you'll continue to shoot for those summit super series points there at your home track and, Hopefully it works out for you where you get that opportunity again. Um, the one thing I, I meant to swing back to and talk about was the prize package for, oh, yeah. for winning that IHRA World Championship. I mean, the IHRA really, between them and Summit, they lay out a, an unbelievably good prize package for those world champions. Tell us about your prize package, Keith. Well, uh, it was to start, it was a $20,000 check. 
Not um, if, if that was all no. there was, it's wonderful. But that, that'd be more. enough, right? That'd be enough. You'd think so, but no, they, uh, what else was there? There was a, there was a, uh, a diamond ring, a world championship ring, a golf cart, which is another story. I'll tell you that in a minute. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask if you had enough trailer to get everything back. But... Yeah. 20 footer. Um, that was fun. <laughs> so we'll go down to that right now. So we got our pictures taken and we did all that stuff. And, uh, then we took the car back and we came back and they said, you know, you got to come back for your golf cart. And I said, well, what do you mean? Like we're taking this thing now. And they said, well, yeah, I can't stay here. And I said, okay, well, let's try and figure this out. So we, we, get, we, we took it back to the trailer and we just downgraded this year to a smaller trailer because, you know, I mean, we didn't need that big one. It's not a very big car. It's not a heavy car. And, uh, so we are looking at this and we're like, there's no way that this is going to fit. So we were talking to a couple, we talked to our neighbors. We were going to see if it could fit in theirs and then we'll, we'll meet them where they are in Michigan and that wouldn't work. And then we talked to the guy we ran in the finals because, you know, I mean, he came over afterwards and we we're, you know, after he cooled down a little bit and everything was good there. So we were talking to him and it couldn't fit there. So finally we decided we got to try and fit this somehow. I don't know how we're going to do it, but, we put it all the way up in the front of the trailer, sideways, like the you know the, the long way, and then we yeah. stuffed the front of the car underneath it, and we had to take the parachute off of it, and it finally fit. Oh. <laughs> but we ended up getting it in the we ended up getting it in the trailer on the way home. But that was a that was a two or three hour experience after that that I really didn't really wasn't anticipating spending yeah. the, the night you know you win the championship trying to figure out if it's a golf cart in the trailer but um <laughs> so we got that the the check the, the golf cart the diamond ring and then uh we got a trip to aruba that we're actually going to be using as our honeymoon oh i know i mentioned in the it, yeah it, i mentioned in the original interview it's either going to be the marriage or the, the honeymoon i think i said that and the maybe that was a different one but uh Anyways, it's going to be our honeymoon. We're going to be getting married in August, and uh, we're going to be taking that trip after that. And it's going to be a it's going to be a good time. There was a bunch of other stuff too that I wasn't even expecting. All these gift certificates from different places, and you know, uh, Summit gave us a nice um, SFI jacket that you know has uh, Keith Cleveland the ihra 2019 ihra summit super series champion uh, i mean the things they just kept coming and coming and coming and it was it was an unbelievable man what a dream comes unreal it was well, well keith nobody races at a level that you raced at this year and accomplishes what you accomplished without some help somewhere somehow who helps you get to the track and down the track that, that you need to put on your thank you list? Well, to start off with that, uh, you know, my mom and dad, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be in this position without them. Um, my kids, uh, Jordan, Gabby, and Owen, they're there every week. They can be there supporting us and, and doing that and cheering on. I mean, they're cheerleaders to the, to the never end. My son is five and he doesn't get it yet. He thinks that, uh, like he can't like the person if they beat me, but like <laughs> I'm trying to explain to him that that's not how it works. But 
you know, they're there. My brother. Yeah. My brother and uh, sister-in-law, Kyle and Chrissy, and my soon-to-be father-in-law, Mike, they, um, they're out there. Every, Mike is out there every week cheering me on. Kyle and Chrissy are out there when they can get out there. Um, so Vito Antonicelli and Mike Swinarski, and they, we almost weren't racing this year because of uh, Lancaster. Was, the ownership was up in the air. But they stepped in, and I think it was February or March last year, they bought the place out and said, we're going to be racing. And if it wasn't for them and the staff at Lancaster, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to do that. And uh, our engine builder, Tom at Tom's Performance, um, IHRA, and uh, Summit for the programs that they run is, you know, we wouldn't, again, we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for them. And then last, but certainly not least is my fiance, Tracy. I wouldn't be able, like she puts up with so much over all over the summer. And then, you know, it's not just a summer sport, you know, you spend the winter time getting the cars ready and doing everything like that. And if it wasn't for her, you know, her patience and, and, and the love that she has for me and, the love that I have for the sport that I wouldn't be able to do it without her and everything that she does juggling everything around. And, uh, appreciate it. And I love her to death for it. Tracy, on behalf of the podcast, thank you for your patience and understanding and allowing this championship racer to chase his dream and accomplish it. Uh, it certainly takes a, a great significant other behind you to, to help you do those things. And, not giving you a hard time about it and really supporting you. That gives you the confidence to go out and do it. So we love you, Tracy. Thank you so much. Uh, so Keith, congratulations, man. Uh, again, wonderful performance. It's a year long fight. You got it done at home and you took it on the road to Memphis and accomplished the ultimate goal, that huge prize package, that vacation awaiting you and your, your soon to be bride. That's, that's going to be really cool for you and your father and everybody in your team. Congratulations from us here at the podcast. And it's really been a pleasure chatting with you about your championship run. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. So I don't know how much you get to listen to the show, but we're not done every week. uh, Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for (laughs) for listening. But so you know about rapid fire. So yeah, we we got rapid fire for you. I want to ask you a few quick things just to get to know you just a little bit better. You up for that? All right, let's go for it. Yeah, so we're all us racers are car guys. So if you could buy any vehicle, what would it be? If I could buy any vehicle, what would it be? It would be like race car or any vehicle. like just a regular vehicle. Any. Well, I'd have to go with that. I'd probably have to go with uh, F-150 Raptor. I really like them trucks. And if, I mean, you spend mo- I spend most of my time in my vehicle, and I need something that's got a little bit of a little bit of butt behind it. And uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, you want to step on that? Fun to drive. So, what is the store that appears the most on your credit card statement? Uh, it's probably Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Amazon guy myself. Amazon, yeah. That and Chick-fil-A. 
Um, <laughs> we just got that up here, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely a new favorite. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think maybe like thing. three or four months ago. That's a southern thing, but it's good that, that they stretched their legs a little bit and got it up there for you guys. You, you'll you'll we've love been it. missing it, out. It never gets old, Keith. Ever. Nope. What is your biggest fear? Uh, probably failing as a father or a husband or whatever. That 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 like really really gets to me sometimes. I don't I don't ever want to be able to let my kids down or you know my soon to be wife. Keith, you just got right in my heart right there, brother. I mean, I'm gonna have to take <laughs> a second here. I'm, I was I mean, like mine is uh, I'm terrified of heights, so I thought we was gonna you know hear spiders or something. <laughs> you well, that's all on there too, but. <laughs> That just shows you how quality a man you are. What is the food or ingredient that you dislike the most? Uh, there's a bunch. I'm a picky eater. Yeah, but right. I'm not a hot sauce guy. I don't like hot food and pickles. I'm not a pickle guy either. That hurts my feelings because I want you to go Chick-fil-A <laughs> and get that chicken sandwich. And, and put you a little, I put you a little Texas Pete on that. I do, but no, no, no pickles, no pickles, <laughs> no hot sauce. I need nice a pickle, plain mayonnaise and a Texas Pete. <laughs> you just want the plain chicken. Yep. Good enough. So, you got actually, well, you normally do five, but you got six of these, by the way. Do you hate to lose or love to win? Oh, that's a good one. I love to win. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, you know, losing is just part of it. I, nobody likes it. It is. I, right. I, like to, I love to win more than I worry about losing. So I'm great. You know, I, I try to, you know, talk to my kids about all that kind of stuff because, you know, they all want to get junior racing and all that fun stuff. But they don't understand that you go out there and you lose more than you win. Yes. There's only one winner. Like, there's only one winner. And uh, I, I don't like, you know, I, I love to win. Yeah, very good answer. Last one. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live, Keith? Well, I haven't been very many places, but I'd have to pick right here in Buffalo, New York. I love that. Where I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm where I am at. Yeah. I love when you love where you live. Just just says a lot about you. So great stuff. I wish man. we had some more racetracks around here. Like some more racetracks would be nice. Even within a couple hours, but uh you know I like it here. Well, you just got a Chick fil A, so you're it's it's a complete <laughs> it's a complete area now. You you're you got right. a drag strip and a Chick fil A. You're fine. Everything's fine. You live Yeah, we're good to go. Now I could do without your winners, but other than that, you're in a great spot. Yep. Well, Keith, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Again, we appreciate you taking us down your championship season, telling us all about it, giving us a little insight into who you are and what you're all about. We're super proud of you and hoping that uh, you see those kind of results again in 2020, man. We'll be pulling for you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I've always, you know, this is this has been a dream too to be on the podcast. It's been a I listen every I've been listening since the beginning and uh, 
I was looking forward to this. So thank you for having me. Even better that we get a, a loyal listener that, that accomplished an amazing goal and, and got to be on the show with us. So we appreciate that. Congrats again. Uh, have a safe trip to work, a good night at work, and uh, tell all your buddies you're super famous now, and we'll be pulling for you again this season, my man. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Keith. Have a great night. Thanks, bud. You, you too, buddy. Come and get some, because I'll be willing to bet that you don't want none. If you want some, come and get some. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>